So, Lord Jesus, would you take this word that we've read in the scripture? Your word is the it is good, it is right, it is the best. Would you take that word and would you help us understand it a little bit better today? And we pray it in your name, Jesus. Amen. I want to say hello to those of you who are watching online. Turns out there were lots of seats available here today. You could have joined us. And uh, for those of you who are in the community center, I want to say hello to my friends there. Well, uh, Happy New Year, by the way. You know, one of the things that uh, I am not looking forward to in this year coming ahead, in the next few days, actually, is taking down all of my Christmas lights, mostly because it took me so long to get them all up and turned on and staying on. Now, this year, I decided that I was going to just put lights up all over the place, on the house and the trees and the yard, you know, and I was really excited. But my Christmas lights matched my enthusiasm with attitude, and man, did they bring it. Because even though those lights worked when I put them up, and I, you know, like before I put them up, because I checked, I knew that they worked. Like the minute I hung them up, somehow this menacing spirit came over, strings of light, and they just wouldn't work anymore. Just like that. One minute they worked, and then the next minute, nothing. So then there I am on top of my ladder, frantically wiggling the wire back and forth, having a conversation with my Christmas lights, talking to these inanimate strings of wire and glass as if they could be motivated by pity or by fear to suddenly start working. I even resorted to begging. Please work. There I am, a grown man doing that, you know. Well, after several trips to the store to buy new lights from the store clerk, who now knew me by name, I drive home, plug all those lights in, flip the switch in the house, walk outside to admire my great work, and poof, they did it again. Only this time, it's like half the house and the whole side of the yard that's gone out which apparently is what happens when you put too much electrical stuff into the same circuit, you know. <laughs> Turns out our upstairs bathroom is on the same circuit as most of those lights that I've plugged into. Anytime you turn on a blow dryer or a curling iron, you know, all the lights go out. <laughs> Good to know. I'll fix that next year. But now, this whole month, my poor kids have been out in the hallway blow drying their hair, you know. Well, I started this whole thing out pretty excited, you know, but by the time I finished putting up that last string of Christmas lights, I didn't care anymore. <laughs> I was remarkably tired of putting up Christmas lights, tired of standing in the rain, tired of visiting with my new friend at Fred Meyer. And now, now I'm going to take them all down so I can turn around and do the, do the same insane exercise next year. Well, you ever felt that way? Not about Christmas lights, but about the stuff of your life. You know, what you were once excited about has just got you feeling a little bit tired these days, whether it's school or your job or your relationships, the way that you're following Jesus, a dream you once had. Maybe, maybe those aren't just the way they used to be. We can all lose our passion, and maybe you're there today. Now, no one of us is passionate all the time. We all have to work on it. 
And today we're going to be talking about rediscovering your passion in life. And whether you're humming right along, full of excitement and energy for the life that you're living, or you're wondering how to get back what you once had, I believe there's something in this message for you today. Now, in the passage that we read from Mark chapter 12, Jesus is approached by a teacher of the law who wants to know what the most important commandment is. And the commandments he's referring to are not the Ten Commandments God gave Moses written on stone. What he's referring to are the 613 commandments that occupy the first five books of the Bible. And if that wasn't tough enough, it was the job of the religious leaders of that day, like this teacher, to interpret those 613 commandments and how they applied to every and each, each and every circumstance in life, and then to write those interpretations down. So you've got 613 commandments, and then you've got all these interpretations. It all got really complicated and confusing. <laughs> Go figure. Well, mercifully, there were a lot of religious leaders at this time who sort of got together and wanted to develop a statement or some sort of overriding principle that would summarize it all. That's what this teacher is asking Jesus for in this passage in Mark chapter 12. And Jesus responds by reciting the one phrase called the Shema, which was used at the beginning of every worship service and in every prayer. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now that statement summarized the Jewish faith. And now, as revealed and transformed in Jesus, it is the essence and the meaning of what we believe too. God alone is Lord over all creation. All things are subject to His power, bow under His sovereignty, are moved by His will. God is the one and only, supreme over all. And yet, this one unique supreme God chooses to pursue us and to keep on pursuing us even when we run away from him. And why is that? Because he loves us. And it is an amazing kind of love, not like anything we can possibly think of or even dream up. Unconditional, self-sacrificing, faithful, strong, unending, nothing, no one on this earth can love with a love like that. Only God can love with a love like that. And it's a love which made everything we know and everything we see. It's the love which formed all the principles and the physical laws which hold this whole thing together. It's a love which personally gave up all heaven and came here to earth as a human being so we could know him and so that he could know us better too. It is a love passionate enough to pay the price for our sin, a price his justice requires. It's a love which rose Jesus from the grave and proved that death is not our final destination. It's a love that will never give up on us, no matter what, and that gives us assurance for today and it gives us hope for tomorrow. Only God can love like that, just as you are, with all the mistakes you've made, with all the shortcomings you suffer from, with the past that you and I have made and created, the one, unique, supreme God of the universe loves you. Do you believe that today? 
not just with your head, but with your heart. Do you believe that today? Because that's where it all starts. Passion starts with God. He makes the first move and the second move and the third move, as many as it takes, as long as it takes. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. That's what makes his love so amazing, so perfect. Rediscovering our passion, it starts with God and experiencing his passion for us. Well, Jesus doesn't just leave us there. Remember, Jesus is talking with this teacher, and he's giving this teacher kind of a summary of what it means, or how, a summary of how the people who follow God should live. So Jesus says to him, you should love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I think one of the most basic questions that we ask ourselves is, why am I here? What is my life for? What is my purpose? We lose our passion when day after day, week after week, year after year, we're living our lives in ways where we're not answering those questions. We're like a boat where the motor has just sort of died out on, stopped working, and we're drifting along on the water, kind of bouncing up and down on the waves. Well, Rick Warren, in his book, purpose-driven life, he starts with these words. It's not about you. If you want to know why you were placed on this planet, you must begin with God. Now, that is so different than everything our culture teaches us, isn't it? I mean, you know, if you think about it, all the self-help seminars we go to and the books that we read, they start in a different place. They tell us to start with ourselves, you know, sort of dig down deep and figure out, you know, what our goals are for life and what our dreams are that we want to accomplish and fulfill before we die. But the truth is that God has so much more for us than the small dreams that we dream and the small goals that we set. God wants more for us than to just be really successful or to make more money so we can buy better stuff or uh, advance our careers and hold more important job titles or to help our children succeed so they can do the same. Life is so much more than that. If we ever really want to figure out why we're here and what our purpose is here on this earth, then we have to start with the God who made us. Now, there's a lot that I could say about finding our purpose in life, much more than I can say here in this message this morning. But in Mark chapter 12, Jesus makes it crystal clear. If you want, and if I want, to know our purpose in life, then we have to understand this one thing about ourselves. We were made to love. It's in our hardwiring. The best use of our lives is to love, whether that's at work or in our relationships or what's going on. Loving God, loving others, it's in our hard wiring, which makes sense since the main reason that God created this big ball that we live on and pursues relationship with us, his main motive for all of that was love. I think one of the reasons that God gives us special relationships in our lives is so that we can begin to figure out and understand the kind of relationship God wants to have with each and every one of us. Like I remember when I first started to love my wife, Kristen. 
Those first few months, they were like a dream, and I can just remember how new and unique and fresh it all felt. It was so amazing, and, and I was a little overwhelmed by this beautiful girl who wanted to spend a lot of time with me and thought I was interesting. I wanted to get to know her, and so I spent a lot of time listening, you know, just kind of listening to her talk about the experiences in her life and the dreams that she had, the things she liked, the things she didn't like. And, you know, when I listened to her, then I could sort of figure out the kinds of things I could do that would bring her joy, you know, the gifts that I could give her she'd, she'd like and the places I could take her she'd enjoy going to, the ways that I could serve her that would, that would help her. Funny how that works really listening to the people we love so that we can learn to love them back. Just an aside, you know. <laughs> the longer we're in relationship, the longer Kristen and I were in relationship, the more I knew I could trust her, the more I knew I could rely on her, the more I knew I could count on her to love me more. And you know, that is a lot like the way that we love God listening, trusting, relying on God. Like when we read the Bible, we're listening to what God is saying. We're learning about the dreams God has for us and for the world that we live in. We're learning about what God likes and what God doesn't like. And um, we're finding ways that can bring Him joy, things, gifts that we can give to God, ways that we can serve Him. The same thing happens when we pray and when we worship. And the longer we're in relationship with him, well, then the more we know we can trust him, the more we know we can rely on him, and the more we can count on him to love us back. We were made to love. It's in our emotional wiring. It's in our spiritual wiring. It's in our mental wiring. It's in our physical wiring. It's in here. And loving God like that, it helps us rediscover our passion. So Jesus is saying that rediscovering our passion, it, it starts with uh, and uh, experiencing, it, it starts with God and experiencing his passion for us. Uh, that God makes the first move. God puts his love on us. And Jesus is saying we rediscover our passion when we clarify our purpose. That, you know, the best use of our lives is to love. The third way that we rediscover our passion is to use our talents. You see, God gives us special abilities and talents to serve Him with, and God's plan in that is that we would develop and use the ones that we have, which is interesting because that also is sort of the opposite of the culture around us, right? Because uh, a lot of the teaching these days, and uh, always has been as I was growing up, was to examine sort of our weaknesses and the places where we don't have very uh, much ability. And then to develop those so that we can become stronger, more well-rounded people. But you know, that is just wrong. Because the truth is, we're much more productive and we feel much more fulfilled in life when we're operating out of strength, not out of weakness. That means that we can excel in areas that we're really strong in, and we can leave the other areas that we're not very strong in. We can leave those to other people who excel in those places. Where we are weak, they are strong. Because, you see, talents are meant to complement each other, not to compete with each other. And one of the greatest passion killers I know of is when we are working or volunteering in a position that we're not very good at. It only leads to frustration, really bad results, 
and eventually burnout, right? But there is more at stake here than just finding personal happiness and fulfillment as we use our talents well in the places where we work or the places where we volunteer. You see, using our talents is about plugging us into God's agenda and God's purposes for the world that we live in. It's about being part of something bigger than ourselves, a cause greater than who we are. And no matter how big or how small our part, using our talents allows us to come alongside of God in bringing His kingdom here to this earth. Maybe you don't know what your talents are. You don't know what talents God has given you. You're really not sure what you're good at. The best approach that I know of for finding our talents is to just try some different experiences, try some stuff out. Even if you don't think you're very good at it or you're, you're really uncomfortable, if you've never done it, give it a try. Now, one of the short-term mission trips I led uh, much earlier in my ministry was a two-week short-term mission trip for high school students. And we had two different projects. One was a construction project at the city park, and the other was a vacation Bible uh, school for senior adults in a full care center. And I split the students up into two groups, one group for each project, and after the first week, I asked them to switch. Well, uh, one of the students wasn't real keen on that idea, and he asked me if he could stay on the construction project instead of switching over to the vacation Bible school. There was still a lot of work to do, and he was our best worker, and leaving him on that project would get it all done. But that wasn't what the short-term mission trip was all about, getting stuff done. It was about letting God work in us. So he had to switch, even though he really, really didn't want to. Well, the last night of the trip, the students were all standing up, and they're kind of sharing about their experiences and the way that they had seen God working in their lives over the last week. And then this one student stood. And he told the other students about how he tried to get out of the vacation Bible school experience and how he, he just didn't really want to do it, mostly because it scared him, and he didn't think he'd be very good at it. But the first day wasn't as bad as he thought, and after the second day, he realized that he, he kind of liked this challenge of teaching the Bible to senior adults. And now, he said, I feel like God is calling me to be a teacher and that that's the way he wants me to use my life for him. Well, four years later, he graduated from college. The next year, he went to graduate school for his teaching credential, and now he is a high school teacher at a school in Snohomish, this five-star, five-alarm Christian serving in a public school. Take some risks. Do some stuff that makes you feel uncomfortable. You never know how God will use those experiences and the way that God will use those to change your life. So rediscovering our passion, it starts with God and experiencing his passion for us. It means clarifying our purpose and knowing that our lives were meant for love. And it means using the talents that we have. Now, there's a whole lot more that I could say about rediscovering our passion, like reconciling broken relationships because conflict and resentment kills our passion, or balancing our schedules because we can get so busy with school and sports and shuttling kids around and work and stuff that we just never have the time to make the changes and do the things that will help us rediscover our passion. 
A friend of mine uh, grew up in a family that was Christian by profession, but not by practice. And Jesus wasn't very real to him. His father drank a lot, had a problem with anger, and no amount of going to church ever seemed to change any of that. Now, he found a pretty good job uh, after uh, high school. Uh, he'd been pretty wild in high school and didn't make it to college, but he landed this really good job, and he worked a lot of hours. He got a bunch of promotions. It seemed to be all working out for him. Along the way, he met a girl, got married, had a family, but it wasn't long before life lost its excitement and all those bad habits from his younger years and those experiences from his childhood, they started to catch up with him. Marriage didn't look so inviting anymore and he began to look for a way out. But a friend of his started to share with him about Jesus. And at first, my friend wasn't interested in Jesus because Jesus kind of felt like this fairy tale to him. But the more empty his life got, the more he started to listen about this Jesus. Well, finally, he realized that there just had to be more to life than what he was experiencing. So he asked Jesus to be his Lord and his Savior. His friend that had been talking to him uh, about Jesus started taking him to his church. He reconciled his relationships with his wife and with his father. He used his leadership gifts to start a men's ministry at his church and to start serving some of the men that he knew. He worked less and spent more time at home with his family. I saw him a couple of years ago, and I hardly recognized him. Man, that guy was on fire for Jesus, for his wife, and for his kids, for the ministry that he was involved in. Even his work had new meaning and significance in his life. He had rediscovered his passion for life. He'd clarified his purpose, and he'd balanced his schedule. He'd reconciled his relationships, and he'd allowed himself to experience the passion that God had for him. He'd found purpose. He'd found new passion for his life. You know, my oldest daughter and I used to invent games to play uh, when she was young. And one of our favorites, we played uh, right before bedtime. I think that's a father's gift to get kids all wound up right before bedtime. <laughs> it seems to be a common theme in the households, doesn't it? Well, the game was uh, that I would lay on the floor alongside of the bed so that she couldn't see me, and she'd start on top of the bed and kind of crawl to the edge, knowing I was down there somewhere, but not knowing exactly where. And then with a loud squeal that was half giggle and half scream, she would dive headfirst off the edge of the bed, and I would catch her. Then holding her in my arms, I'd toss her back up in the air over the edge of the bed so she'd land back in the middle of the mattress. You could see how this wound her up a little bit. <laughs> more squealing, more laughter, dive, catch, toss, dive, catch, toss. Richard, it's time she goes to bed, you know. Those were special moments for us, special moments for me. And, you know, I can't help wondering how many of us Never jump off the bed. Stuck in a life we know we weren't meant for. We choose the safety of the mattress and live with the consequences rather than make the changes and take the risks that will help us rediscover passion in our lives. So, Lord Jesus, 
we invite you in. Would you flood us with your love in ways that we have never known and never experienced? Would you let that love loose in us in ways that help us rediscover passion? Lord, give us courage. And we, get, we pray it in your name, Jesus. Amen.